ladies and gents, welcome to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast. This is Blake, also known as the big fella, and I'm filling in for Matt in the intro. First up, Merry Christmas, and a special mention to all the mining mums and dads that are working Christmas Day and can't be together. You're absolute legends, and we're all thinking of you. Right, this episode is the highlight packages of some of the best underground tips and chats that you've heard in 2019. It's going to be a belter. Radio, let's get into it. Right, what an awesome job by the big fella. He's going to make a podcaster, I reckon. Good on you, mate. Right, next instalment of the 2019 Highlights Packages, underground tips and chats, some of the best ones you've heard all year. You're going to hear from Jared Selby, Percy Porter, obviously Mick the Rat Roden. But first up, we're going to go right back to the start. John O. Johnson from Australian Resources Contracting, episode number three. And he talks about his uh, bit of his rising days and what steel length you use in rising. Check it out. A lot of my mining, when I started, I just stayed with two-metre steel or six-foot steel, 1.8. And then I moved up to eight-footers. Um, now, look, every miner's different. Some guys will collar with an eight-foot steel. Um, so the, anyone that's seen an air leg work um, will know it's like a two-stage st- two telescope. It's all thematic cylinder type of thing where it'll come out. So that air leg will push 1.8 metres, okay, with, as from, 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 from where it is. If, we, if, if we're using a 1.8 metre air leg, you get shorter ones as well and you get two, two metre legs as well. Um, when you go to eight foot, you, so you've got to retract, bring the air leg up, so you've got to bore your hole retract, and bring it up. What so some guys, I guess in called the eight foot's a, a 2.4 metre oh, split sorry, yeah. set. So for, think yeah. of the 2.4 yeah, metre sorry, split set, yeah, that's yeah. how long your yeah. steel is. 2.4. So some guys will collar straight up off, off a rising ladder with um, eight foot and they're fine with that. And then could put the air leg only push two metres. So to get that last, you know, four, 500, they'll uh, bring their air leg closer to the face, bring it up a couple of rungs on the ladder and finish that last bit. The other way of doing it is you uh, have a 1.5 metre steel and you get up a bit closer to the face and you bore the whole face out with your 1.5 metre steel and then you'll come back and you'll have an eight foot steel there and you'll reap and run that eight foot steel up and bore y- another metre with your with your eight footer. Um, horses for courses really. I'm not going to say here that one's better than the other. It will come down to the minor. All I'll say is as long as you pull a clean face, that's all that matters, you know. If you can't pull an eight-foot cut clean, don't pull one. Just stick to two two metres, you know. I guess the co- the consequences of not pulling your well, cut clean in risers is a bit It's a bit different to not pulling your cut clean with a jumbo. That's right. Yeah, well, those, like I said earlier, those loose rocks, they're going to come down, you know. So you need a clean face. Um, yeah, clean face, small face, and make sure that your back holes are always bored, overboard or bored more than your bottom wall. So the top of your air leg rise face is away from you, therefore you won't get an overhang on you. you know? Yep. 
Right, good on you, John. Eh? Thanks very much, mate. The first onboarded a life of mine in its history. Never forget that, John. Eh? That's why you got a bottle of Sandvik Port for Chrissy. Righto, next up, Jared Selby, Australia's greatest jump operator, according to one bloke. I think, I think it was Jared that told me that. I think that was the joke I used in his episode. Now, he's got a few jumbo tips about uh, boring your perimeter and marking up, and he's also got a real good one about how to keep rocks out of your feed drop. Check it out. Marking up. Um, just to, I guess, you know, identify the importance of the markup process, your back sites, and well, survey, couple, of, couple sur- of tricks. Survey will tell the importance every time, but um, I suppose take your time marking up, um, and don't. I suppose the thing I struggled when I got in the jumbo was I never trusted what I put on the ground with the paint, and every time I went into a face where I didn't trust what I put on the ground, it was it was well off. You know what I mean, and. You've got to, you've got to tell yourself. Uh, even though it doesn't look right, it is right. Let, let's say, let's say you've walked into a perfect five by five, so it's, and you mark it up five by five. What what sort of stuff? Mostly looking at sort of where you, I guess where you're collaring to avoid getting you drifted a bloody catch on mesh and stuff when you're boring. What sort of stuff would you recommend there? I uh, always collar inside the lawn, um, not on the lawn. So collar like just inside it, wherever your paint line is, collar inside it. And then you've always got to try pick up a little bit because at the end of the day, the drill wasn't meant to drill straight along a wall. So you've got to you've got to hook them out a little bit. Not too much. You just want to pick up a little bit. So come inside and hook them out. That's one thing we'll talk about, how to not fuck your feed cylinder fitting. Most of the time is when you're scaling and you've got your boom hooking up and there's just shit falling over it. I'll tell you, do you want to hear a little face. secret how to stop shit going up there? Yeah. I've only seen it happen a few times, but if you get one of those, you know, those square stope sponges? Oh, yeah. If you stuff one of them in your feed rail above your fittings, you yeah. won't get rocks in your, yeah, in your right. fittings. Another, oh, that's that's bloody good. Uh, you won't, you won't. How long does it last? Forever. <laughs> you can't even get it out, put it that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, good on you, Selby. And I've been using his four-reamer flat burn in the, in the shooting ground. Works bloody brilliant. Heaps easy to bore. Love it. As much as the hatred he received on Facebook, the poor bloke. Poor Jared, he got a bit sensitive there. I'll have a beer with you soon, Selby. Right, next up, Tucker. Our best mate, Tucker. Life of mine's too icy. This has got nothing to really do with underground, but if you want to get underground each day, you've got to pass the breath Tucker's got some tips and tricks about optimising your drinking breath relationship. Here's a bit of Tucker. Oh, now, this is one I wanted to ask you. This is going to be, this is going to finish it out, I reckon. (laughs) Let's give everyone some tips about coming from a bloody raging alcoholic like yourself that's maintained a job in mining. That's a bit rough. How do you, tips to bloody beat the breath out each morning? But no, no, when I say beat the breath out, to be actually blowing zeros every morning. And it's, this comes down to the mentality of when you're, Got to know when to go home from the wet mess. Sorry, and like, so I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying like the whole bloody. You know, people talk about put ice in your mouth, blow through straws. Nah, no, I'm like, it's actually, weak. it's actually. Oh, actually, let's pass on a message about how to be in the right mentality about like knowing your limit, getting home because we look, we're all in it to bloody turn up each week, get a paycheck. Because but as soon as you blow numbers, you're sacked and you've just fucked it for your whole family. And that's that's. That's not what we want. That's not not what anyone wants. 
What tips have you got? Uh, What's your formula? What's no your winning tip, formula? Like, obviously, like uh, learn your learn your actual personal limit. There's always like a the hero limit. Oh yeah, ten before ten. I'm like, man, if I had ten before ten, I'd be but friggin' I, sacked but, every but, day. But I can do that. Yeah, because my per like I can. Yeah, I can well, do I that. can't. Yeah. And it's oh. terrible. It's it's know your personal limit. So like, obviously, know your personal limit. All right, even if you had like eh, tickle the personal limit every now and then, look. A uh, bit of research, you know, a bit of Google, a bit of, bit of TLC. Um, you, your body stops processing alcohol way slower when you go to sleep. So you're actually better off once you've finished having a few cans with the boys on a, on a church session to go to your room, smash a feed, buy that bag of chips, stay up, bring your missus, tell her you love her. Whatever. Dribble shit. She wants to kill you. Yep. Stay awake for another hour or so because honestly, you that that extra hour will process that that alcohol. That that is the massive difference between like blowing numbers when you wake up and like comfortable bone. You still feel like dirt, but like you have no stress. Like stay awake for that extra. As soon as you have to finish your drink, eat and stay awake because staying awake processes alcohol far far faster than when you go to sleep. When you go to sleep, your whole body just lulls out and yeah that that is the biggest one then right good on you tucker australian underground mining's favorite son next up mark bowden episode 14 now bowden goes over one of his uh stories from back when he was on the jumbo in a fucking hot mine and this is where he got caught at the end of a long drive and the fan got turned off so plenty of lessons to take out of this with uh heat stress and dehydration but also especially if your fans are on timers make sure you reset the bastards when you go in see what Bowdo's got to say mate do you want to tell us that the story when you said you couldn't you lost the ability to sweat and you you told me a good yarn this is this is something guys uh lads and ladies might actually learn a bit off because the people might find themselves in this situation um tell us about that time when the actual fan got turned yeah, off when like you're it, at the face. It, it, look, it, that was at the end of it, of it, um, Matty, you know, but again, just being young and bulletproof, you know, yeah, we were warned about it and we'd push ourselves to, to the limits and and that with the heat and just get the, the job done. But, yeah, the, the final straw was, you know, um, at KPOC and, you know, the ore drive that I was in, you know, it's probably 550, 600 metres long. And, um, you know, it was already bloody hot, so you just focused to get the job done. Um, and I'm thinking to myself halfway through, is it getting hotter in here? Surely not. And I looked around and, you know, the vent bag was like a cock in the sock, you know, someone had turned it off. And, that, and you know, I'd looked down and, and I'd stopped sweating and I thought, I'm, I'm in the shit here. I'm in the shit, you know, I'm running something that we all get told with a heat stress, you know, once you stop sweating, your body, your body can't cool down. So, yeah, I was just thinking, I'm not going to make it, you know, and I said, we're going to just lay here, I'm going to fucking die. So, started heading out, and I got halfway out, and there was a puddle I had to lay down in that to try and cool down. And, you know, you know, the water wasn't that cool, but it did help me to cool down to, to some degree. Um, and eventually, I got out to the, to the cross, cross cut, obviously, I'm still here. So, um, but that was it, you know, uh, that that shift uh, the next month or so just I, I thought there was something something wrong with me you know like uh, just fatigued just fucking you would struggle in the heat but this was a different struggle um, and 
Yeah, once you you lose that ability, you're like, I still find it now, you know. And and uh, I've been been sitting in a nice air conditioned office for for you know last fifteen years or so, and you know hot days in summer, I still struggle to yep. to cool down. Um, and you know we'll be be out with the boys, and I'll be pissing sweat, and I'll, I'm only sweating a quarter of what they're sweating. Right, good on you, Bowdo, and and special thanks to Bowdo, John R. Johnson, Tessa Churston all their support for life of mine and Bowdo's support for tagged off during the during the year much appreciated great great blokes helping helping out the little guys good on you mate right next up we have got adam turns australia's mining safety specialist now this was episode 15 and turns he goes into his i guess his view on where he wants mining safety to go and how to avoid adding extra controls and procedures onto everything every time we have an incident and instead having for example 10 cardinal rules that we have to follow and putting the power on the individuals check it out any any time there's a serious incident or an incident of any form really there's always something added on top to try and prevent that incident from incident from happening again so turns you give us a simple example an incident's occurred normal way of going about it would be to add a piece of and add another procedure on top what's your what's your solution to that what's the what's your varying approach look it's going to take someone very courageous to do it because um people aren't good at taking away things they're good at putting them in um but in reality unless if you look at the hierarchy of controls you know elimination engineering isolation and you get down to the bottom two administration and ppe the majority of stuff that's put in place now is the bottom two. So in reality, if you can't uh, eliminate it completely or engineer it out or change something out to do it in a different way to stop it happening, don't do anything. Because an admin control, if an, unless an admin control can completely stop something from happening, which it can't, because a piece of paper has never stopped anything. What's the point of having it? All you're doing is putting another another level of checking in. So we go back to that uh, submarine captain I was talking about earlier. He actually changed it, and this is, this is how he was out there, man. His rule was that he would never issue an order on his submarine and he was in charge of it. Yeah, right. So... Anything that was monitored from top down, he got rid of. So he pushed responsibility down to the people who were doing the job. They were able to make that decision. And for them to make that decision, they would tell the person above them what they intended to do, why they intended to do it, and then he would say, yep, very well. Yeah, right. So I guess what we're saying is we're looking to put more account, not accountability, more responsibility on all the workers and have them essentially drive their own path each day. Geez, oh, geez, that is, that is a big bloody change, Jonesy. So what we're all <coughs> look, I think, and just sorry to backtrack a bit. You said what I, I think companies are they're sort of jumping on it now. You'll hear things like the golden rules, critical risk rules, yeah, um, critical what they call controls. them at Telfer when we. Oh, what was that pretty critical controls, wasn't it? The, critical controls. Yeah. yeah so rules. this is. This is a bit out there, right? And this is, if I had my way, this is what I would do. Critical controls, have, there was 
I don't know, there was 10 or 12 yeah, like, of them. Yeah, critical controls are just essentially the controls that prevent you getting killed. Like That's right. Don't work work under unsupported ground, stuff with explosives, yeah. um, people plan interaction. They're your rules, right? right? Yeah. They're, they're the 10 rules. They're the only rules you have. Yep. And go, you break those rules, you're sacked. You have standards to say um, this is what we want stuff to look like. I don't care how you do it. Just don't break these rules oh, when you geez, geez, that'll rustle up some feathers, Turnsy. It sound, sounds bloody good to me. Because in reality, that's all you want. If they're the things that are going to kill you, don't do them things. Still get the job done, but do it. Because every, everyone does jobs differently. No one's exactly the same. So what that does, it pushes the responsibility down to the people doing it, but it also increases a level of competency for the people doing it. So you focus more on the competency and more on, on clarity on explaining to people what you want done. So you focus on those two things, they take responsibility for it, everyone wins. Right, good on your Turnsy, and make sure if you're interested in what Turnsy's got to say, check out his website, simplexi.com.au. That's S-Y-M-P-L-E-X-I, Simplexi. Greek for engagement. Very flash, Turnsy. Right, next up, we have got, let me find the list, episode number 20, Tezza Churston. Tezza was a... Come on, uh, we talked about his life and, uh, and creation of Tasman Safety. We also had a bit of charge-up talk, which is uh, Tez's bread and butter. And this specific one was on Ampho versus Emulsion and also a bit about perimeter blasting. See what Tez has got to say. And it's not about horse racing, this bit. I was at a site, the same site we just developed charge the other day. They had a lot of dynamic water and we were lining holes with Emulsion. That's the first time I've ever had to do that. But, you know, it's... If you look at it, how it affects in a blast, energy's is high energy, emulsion's high shock. They work, perform differently in a blast. I see a lot more, probably not with production, but I see a lot more problems with the emulsion and development. But yeah, I was behind, just about to get onto that. Yeah. But left behind, um, you know, it comes back to the donor receptor principle, like we're not hitting the toes of the hole hard enough. You see sites that use power gel to prime emulsion holes. Yeah, okay, the density's 0.8 to 1.1 with a, with a package explosive, but we're not giving it that initial hit at the crack at the toe yeah, of the hole to yeah. get the breakage where we need it with what you do with your pentalite products. And, you know, there's probably – I haven't done a real big study on it. I've sort of kept an eye on it, kept the diary of what I think. Um, but, you know, we've charged holes with G-Prime just to see what the difference yeah. was, and there's a massive difference. So, you know, it's horses for courses to what product we're using. Yeah. You know, you're going to get away with it with Ampho because of the packaged and the Ampho being high energy, but – because your emulsion's high shock, you know, you've got fractured ground, you lose a lot of your energy yep. through the blast there. So a lot of it, to my opinion, is done because it's, you know, it's the wrong product for the yep. ground conditions we're in. Yep. I understand why some product places do it, especially North Queensland. They seem to get below 600 metres and it's all that hot reactive stuff, so they've yep. got to go to the emulsion because it's higher temperature in a hole. But it's... Um, you know, it's 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 cost dependent. There's a lot of factors involved, but yeah. I you know I don't see the the bridging um, as far as in the emulsion goes. Uh, it's probably fifty fifty across the board with Ampho and emulsion. It's just poor charge up, get blamed for everything when yeah. a lot of it's um, 
Oh, I've seen, I've seen, look, I've seen a lot of bridges with Amphar as well. But then you talk about development, like we, as you said, ground site dependent, but we're, where we are at the moment, emulsion just pulls the fucking shit cut, Amphar pulls to the arse, like, like generally. And it just seems, you just get that. And I've seen it elsewhere too, like Amphar just snaps off heaps cleaner. But as you said, and that's, that's, I guess the general consensus, people are looking at bloody, just trying to compare info and emulsion, but as you said, it could be like looking at the actual primer, primer choice. Maybe using G primers as, and even the density as well. We've noticed um, in the sort of talky powdery shit, like the emulsion just goes off and just, it's like a, it just leaves all this powdery shit on the face. It's like it's just smashing it too hard and it just can't get out. Where it could be like might need different densities, but it's all all trial and error. But look, look, the info just appears to. For development, just a buddy appears to, and for the perimeter as well, the fifty, the arsenal on the edges just gives us such a more cleaner, cleaner profile than the point six. I think they use the point six on the perimeter. So it's oh, the best shit I've used is that econotrim. That is awesome on the perimeter. I reckon that John Jonix econotrim. Yeah, do they use many joints still using that? There's a few around. Look, I, I agree with you in saying that. It's um the biggest problem I see. With the charging that we're doing at the moment, is everything we, we overcharge everything, which is going to cause our overbreak. Yeah, the Econotrim, I think, is one of the best, and the Z Bar are probably probably the best two products on the market. The problem we have with that is the rifling. If we can get it in a hole without it rifling, yeah, because it's designed to go on a forty-five millimeter blast hole, yeah, and it's we can't overcharge it because it's encased in plastic, so it's designed at that powder factor, mm. and. It's probably one of the few products I still see around now. Mount Charlotte use it, and they use it with great success. Yeah, we had uh, it at ACM at um up in the Mekathera. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. They um you know that you go down there declines and in their drives and there's a lot of half barrels and it's very rare to see half barrels nowadays and I believe it's because we overcharge everything. So. Right, good on you, Tezza, and that won't be the last time you hear from Tezza in this highlights package. Plenty, plenty more of. Plenty more of Terry to share around. There's a lot of ter- a lot of Terry's love to share around in the world. Absolute legend. Tasman Safety. What a bloody, what an organisation. They're looking for an admin at the moment too. And uh, mate, you'd be you'd be mad if you didn't go jump on that. She's a social mob to work for. Anyway, next up, Tommy Galt. Episode number twenty-one. Now, Tommy done shitloads of charge up. I mean, he also talks a bit about a conner trim and also. Good tips for charge up guys to go and check your work and see how see how the charging's performing. Check it out. And the other thing too about it as well is you were saying about their second row and, and yeah, that's that's a case for charge up as well. Just to be aware that if you are using a conner trim in those perimeter holes, make sure that you're not overcharging that second row. You know, like if you're putting too much bomb in that in that second row and not leaving you good collar, then you're you, you're potentially going to maybe you know kick kick it out to the to the to the corner holes and that perimeter yeah. holes. So so protect your protect your outside like holes. That's that's the way of looking at it, I suppose. So you chuck like you know instead of charging that hole to the arse, you'd leave yeah. half a meter or a meter of collar on there because that. Yeah. That well, you think of how explosive is going to work. That meter of, pardon me, meter of um, rock at the face. That's going to be blown off already anyway. Essentially, from a hole, like it's just going to be shattered. It's the, all the work's been done at the back of the hole. It's so true, and and the sense of it too is, um, just just try things like be be, don't be reluctant not to not to 
to follow your own work, you know, go down and check out your hittings after they fire. Go like when you're doing re-entries, have a look at them. When 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 the like jumbos do it, they go down and they see how their cuts have been bought out and see how they fire. They see like get to know where where you are, like where you stand, you know, know how your performance is is happening so that when you see your your hittings, like you can go right, yeah, okay, I I I, I did I did use a little bit less on this corner. I did, and you then you have an understanding, like. Because I'm, I'm going to say it like now is explosives, there's so many variables in it. Like there's so many variables in it, but at least if you've got a little bit of an idea of an understanding of where you are at and how your how your performance is going, like that's that's brilliant. And if if you do if you do know that it's working, then stick with what you know. Like stick with if it's working, stick with it. Don't you know like stick with it but but still manage it and monitor it on a daily basis you know right good work tommy mate any mining contractors out there put tom gulp on the jumbo you're bloody he's waiting he's ready to go get him on the jumbo you're mad if you're not mad if you don't he's gonna be a jet Gah. good on you tommy gulp merry christmas mate now next up Myself and Tucker, we did a dedicated episode number 26 on boring side rounds for the jumbo. And here's a bit of a snippet out of that about actually how to position your booms to, I guess, optimise how many holes you can drill. Keep everything going. How good's a bloody side round? Check it out. Now, your boom positioning. Now, this this might be, this is just basic one for, uh, there's sort of only one way to do it. You can... The only way to drill, say you do a left-hand side round, the only way to drill a lifter is with your right-hand boom fully rolled under, and then you've obviously got to do your perimeter. You've got to have your left-hand boom with your rail sitting on top. So you yep. essentially the way you, you bolt with and everything, you've got to pretty much have it backwards, and it looks uncar as anything. You've got to have the things bloody and switched you can't around. See shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's just – and but the biggest thing – about that and and we'll go into the burn after that because the burn you actually you switch it back around but it's you can get yourself in shitloads of trouble depending on where you start drilling because you can get your booms bogged you'll find your dp because of the way because you got them reversed around you got your dpus just start hitting each yeah, other but and i fucked. find i do um i do say so say the right hand booms underneath because you're doing left hand side around the right hand booms underneath i feed extend to the max max it out well you get and, and that, that's and that drills my it. lifter yeah and then the next boom because you because you zoomed out two meters the next boom can sit lower and you can drill that fourth hole because you, you pretty much sit inside. Pretty, your DP used your, uh, pretty much, pretty much yeah, sit inside saying, yeah, and they're, just they're out. Sitting just, right next, yeah, to, each right other. next to each other and you can yeah. start drilling those holes at the same time. But also because your, cause your left hand boom's so much further, because the boom's further over, you can actually see inside. You can see what you're doing with that with that lifter. Because yeah. the left-hand boom, sorry, is so much closer to the face, you can see in under and see what the right-hand boom's drilling yeah. or vice versa, depending if the cut's the other way, obviously. But, yeah, you can actually see what you're drilling without trying to fucking like, look out the corner window or hang off the side and see what the hell was going on, like, whether well, you're collar and fucking what, half a foot off the yeah. lifter or well, whatever. Well, and you got to, like, you got to you got to take into account as well because that, that right-hand rail, like, like, all the examples will say we're doing a left-handed side round. So your right hand rail is like full rail extension. So you got you got to take into account like you got to wind it back because all the 
the weight when you got it fully extended out. Load as soon as your drifter starts going, the, the it's starting to bend up. You'll do shanks. Your rotation pressure will be bloody one fifty anti jam, and like you got to you got to really when you collar try and slow as and try and get a bit of a bow in your steel so it doesn't because as soon as she starts hooking up once all the weight once the drifter moves towards the end of the rail it's all going to slump down and then it's going to be fine because you've you've already collared down if you yeah right good on you tucker you'll hear a bit more of tucker also later on right next up billy beeman top dog at northern star gives a good yarn about his guess when he's first started chip bossing at such a young age and some of the well I asked about some of the challenges of facing a lot of old experienced fellas when you're in your early 20s and how you deal with it check it out and um, when I went down to Junction I'll never forget my first day down there at Junction and I rocked up and I I was always a when I, even when I was 21, I looked like I was 16, 17. Yeah, yeah. No, you've <laughs> held your age well, Bill. I, mean. <laughs> I, I looked really young back then. I was a skinny little runt bloody thing. But um, anyway, I went down there and they literally threw me shift bossing first shift. Yeah. And I'll never forget, bloody, I was there on starting eight-hour shifts then. And it, was, it was afternoon shift. And there was this jump operator, I don't know if you heard him, Alan Blore, Blory. Anyway, he's one of the most – he still is. How you going, Blory? I love you. But, <laughs> but um, he's one of the most vocal jump operators I've ever come across in my career. And, and, and he's okay. He's a good operator, He's, he's um, but he's very vocal. Yep. And uh, I'll never forget, I'm buddy, handing out the you know pre-start you know, job cards. You know, Blory comes along and he's like, I hand out the card and he goes, oh, you my fucking nipper, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't didn't think, and I, yeah. I and everyone, you know, the whole mushrooms full. There's about forty people in there, blokes. And I said, "No, I'm your shift boss." And he just like he just went, "What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> You're not old enough to be my shift boss." And he abused, you know, fuck. And he made sure everyone heard. Yep. And um, <laughs> and then bloody the the next bloody you know the shift that night, he was telling everyone, "Oh, what are these pricks doing up in the bloody you know." Castle, buddy, sending this young prick to yeah, buddy. They still called it bullshit castle, yep, then, eh? Yep. yep. He, he abused the shit out of me, apparently, for that shift. But a week later, after we finished our roster, he, he actually, I'll give you credit, he come up and he, he apologised. Yeah, right. Yep. And he said, nah, look, you guys, Bill, you're awesome. You know, I know, you, you know, he was very complimentary and, and, uh, and he apologised for you. He said, look, I abused the shit out of you and, and behind your back, I said this, this, this. But he goes, after working for you a week, I said, man, highly, you know, love to it. And, Laurie and I worked together for, for a period of time after that. But uh, but so I, I was always confronted with that young person stuff yep. from an early stage. And, and if, you, if you let it bother you, you, you you're losing straight yeah, up, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, that early grounding of working underground and holding, you know, high roles like jump operator or shift boss at a very young age, you know, like I, you know, had to wait until I turned bloody 23 to get my first class ticket, you know, and you know, because I had that and it was always a few years ahead, It's I got used to that. And so when you get into an ops manager role at 28, I'd already spent four or five years yeah. physically labouring underground. So when you get into that role, um, you know, I had no kickback. Yeah. I had more kickback with people like Glory as a shift boss than I did when I stepped in the ops manager's role. Yeah. Good on you, Billy. Thanks, mate. Great episode. Plenty, plenty to take out of Billy's episode from corporate engineering all the way back to underground mining itself right next up the old familiar face mick the rat rodent episode 31 this is one of uh i guess more serious parts of mick's episode which uh were few and far in between but uh he talks a bit about his uh boring patterns back on the jumbo 
He's a bit of the rat. Yeah. But personally, I was the board and layers and lifters. Used to go straight into the burn. Yep. Get the burn out of the road. When you when you're nice and focused. Yep. yep. And then straight up to the backs. Yep. And then come down the sides and then do the same. Because that way, then you get everything level. Yep. Neat and tidy, and that worked. Yep. Um, I remember I was at Leonora. I was still on the jumbo then. Uh, Dick Johnson for John X. Yep. Um, I, I didn't have a clue As who in this the guy was. The John X, the common yep. room. Yeah. I was boring away madly there one day, and this guy just come up, and I just got into the heading. And he come along, and he's just wandering around. I thought, who the fuck's this? And he never said a word until after I'd finished boring. And then um, he come along. He said, "Oh, I'm Dick Johnson." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, John X explosives." Oh, right, eh? And I'll quote him because I quite liked his quote then. He said, you have just bored the best pattern I've ever seen anyone drill in the last 20 years of underground mining that he knows of yep. because of the way I've done it. Now, when the charge-out crew come in to charge up, the holes aren't full of water, yep. which means explosives work better. Yep. Everything was marked up. All the holes are marked up. And if it takes 10 or 15 minutes to clean your holes out and rake, make sure there's no rocks in the holes and make it easier for the charge-up guys, well, they're happy doing their job. Mm. So it comes together. Yeah. You bore a good cut, you charge a good cut, you got a good cut. Yeah. The amount of people race in and just bore a cut willy-nilly because they've only got an hour and a half and then pull out and fuck off to go to another heading, which is another bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, you get leave half a metre of butt. So at the end of the day, everyone's losing. Yeah, exactly. No one wins. Cheers, Rat. Rat's actually gone into retirement. Finally, apparently he's staying there. I don't know. You could see he's facing an underground mine very soon. G'day, Rat. Merry Christmas, brother. Now, next up, Turnsy. Adam Turns. He's round two, episode 34. Now, this is a very interesting one. This is talks about a safety trial that Woolworths did, uh, where it essentially kept, kept the same procedures at one site, removed all the procedures from another site, and just removed all the bullshit from another and then check the safety results and incidents after that. It's a very interesting story, and this is the kind of stuff that turns he wants to trial within the mining industry. Good listen. Check it out. She um, had previously done a study with Woolworths, of all people. So Wool- Woolworths are at the cutting edge of safety. Um, and, mate, they, what they did, they got, the, got uh, Queensland WorkSafe in, or whatever they call themselves, they got legislators, regulators, everyone sat down and they said, right, we want to do something different. Um, so they basically got different stores. Um, they had one of the stores not discuss safety. I think it was over a 12-month period. Um, I may be wrong on that. There's a, there is a paper if you want to go out and read it that's been published. Um, so what I took from it was I had one place that uh, didn't talk about safety or have any safety, any signage or any meetings or anything like that for 12 months. So out of Woolies, they pretty much just took away all procedures, all everything safety yep. oriented. Took everything away. Uh, they had one continue with what they were currently doing. And then they had a third one that they basically... Um, so one of the words to come out of the thing that everyone was talking about was decluttering. So they had a third one that decluttered, got rid of a lot of uh, bureaucratic stuff, um, a lot of box ticking, uh, spoke about 
safety more openly um, and had a lot rather like a lot flatter kind of structure when it came to safety and everyone had a voice essentially. Yeah. Um, and pretty much over that period of the study, uh, the one that did nothing and the one that continued the same way, uh, their results were very similar to the point when I said they were exactly the same. So, so uh, very, really very no- similar to like all three across the board had the same result. Is that what you're saying? No, no. The one that continued doing what they were already doing and then the one that did nothing had the same results. Yep. The one that, the one that decluttered outperformed. So it was by far the best result. So decluttering, so, you're saying you've still you've still got a a focus on safety, but you're getting rid of all the bullshit. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so it outperformed, and I think from that they've they're leaning towards going that way across the board. So, so um, what what we're outperformed in terms of um, the so amount of incidents, incidents, or yeah, I, I'd say less incidents, less workers' compensation sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, basically saved the company money and didn't hurt anyone. Right, good yarn, Turnsy. Now they're oh, very interested in that stuff. Very, you'd be a, as Turnsy said in the episode, it's going to take someone very courageous to do something like that. So, as you said, if you want to check out what Turnsy does, simplexi.com.au, S Y M P L E X I, Greek for engagement. Check him out on LinkedIn. Good fella. Thanks, Turnsy. Now, next up, legend of the industry. Everyone knows this bloke, especially if you work for Bar Minko, Percy Porter. Now, Percy was uh, talking about, I think he used old Warwick Crouch as a specific example, but talking about jump operators that get a bit comfortable in the golden handcuffs and trying to get them to step off, pass their knowledge on to the next generation and go supervising etc but he's got to pay shift bosses more that's why and they'll probably do it anyway let's check what percy's got to say oh because i actually had a um actually had a celebrity question to give away from the from the start it was from a w crouch and he was uh he wanted a guest question to ask about reckons his jumbo pay is not uh not high enough after the 20 years of bar minko he reckons you've been the cause of it i just thought i'd ask you oh by all means look um I think Crouchy should, uh, let's say, take the money and run. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think one one jumbo operator that's uh, that's been on the gravy train for seventy years, he doesn't know the difference between uh, bad or good money. <laughs> oh, mate, he's dead set. The bloody I don't want him to ever retire because he's the best cross shift I've ever had. That bloke, he's just a absolute legend but i see and he gets you every every time i think every time you fly in he's sitting out there and he just knows you're walking past he's like right here we go same thing every week crouchy you learn how to bore a straight oh yeah crouchy well you're gonna get one more than and he knows it's coming he's got it i think he's got his responses pretty down pat as well if he's asked me you can hear my phone ringing <laughs> but, uh, oh he's another character i've got i don't mind the bloke. good bloke known him for a long time yeah been around for a long time um there's some good blokes around. I like it. Uh, but do you more about Crouchy, and this is what I admire, someone that's been on the jumbo for God knows how long, 20, well, he's been with Barminko 25 years, been on the jumbo over 20 years, and 
and uh, however old he is, but he's he's still out there. He's still pelican picking his lifters and painting them up, and everything's exposed and everything's tidy. And just to and that's that is main, to maintain those standards and passion after so many years, and but just be that consistent. Yeah. I, I I admire that, and like that someone. He's not. He's not a bad that. bloke. I like him. He um, as I said, he does his job. I think. Uh, Let's pick on Crouchy for one moment. Let's do it. Oh, mate, I've got to get this on his phone, so I'll, I'll load this up on him when he... Right <laughs> I, I think Crouchy's got a lot more to offer than just boring holes. I think that uh, if he took the next step, he could certainly start to uh, to put give that knowledge some use. At the moment, he's done using himself to bore a few holes. I think if, uh, if he took the next step, say went shift bossing, or even as a trainer or some of that, I think uh, start to pass that knowledge on because he has been doing it for a long time. And I think this he's, he's nearly at that stage where he should be thinking about the next generation coming through to do that and give them that training, that that advice, that knowledge. Yeah. I think he said specifically if you paid him 1100 a shift to shift boss, he'd do it for you. So, Well, he's dreaming. <laughs> he is dreaming. <laughs> Good on you, Percy. Merry Christmas, mate. Coming to get some mangoes off you in March too, brother. Oh, I've got this blood. I've got this fucking sore throat. It's killing me. I'm struggling here. Went to the doctor. Viral, apparently. I thought the old durries from a couple of years ago might, might have given me throat cancer. But anyway, I think I'm all right. Right, next up, another bit more of Tucker and myself talking shit. Uh, we did a specific episode on nippers. A bit of advice for nippers from us blokes that don't really nipper. But anyway, hopefully you got something out of it. Episode 40. And we're talking about just a few tips and tricks and standards for setting up headings. Everyone loves a bit of Tucker. Here's a bit more of him. Check it out. Every jumbo op is different. Everyone like everyone wants it. They're all fucking different. There's no like set formula. So like when you're doing setups. Every jumbo op wants them fucking set up different. Like you just, there's no, there's no winning trick. But ask them, ask them what their bloody, what their preference is. Know who you're setting the heading up for, I guess. And uh, look, some guys say I want all the bolts on the left, but I guarantee they'll need some on the right too. You always chuck fucking a handful of stubbies and splitties on the right for the wall holes. Like guaranteed, you're gonna. If you if you if you're not using them on the right, you're fucking retarded. It. I don't understand it. Like the amount of extra boom movement to go all the way back to the other side to put a bolt on, rather than just straight down. And because I'm always thinking that I'm not going to have an offsider, so it's always the easiest fucking way for me to step out and do it, rather than fucking bring the boom all the way back, roll it back, put it on. Like, it just takes so much time than just go straight down for the same result. Yeah. So it's yeah, essentially you're gonna have yeah. you're gonna have three stubby bolts and a fucking depending on how many rows of got. Just do a third on the right. Yeah, just do a third on the right and the rest on the le- on the left. That's the way I I tell them because yeah. it's just easier. Yeah. A third of everything. Third of the glue, third of the gooeys, third of the fucking everything and then Oh, if you one out here and there, who gives a fuck? You just throw it over the boom. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Just throw it over the other side so you know you're going to be over the other side. Good on you, Tucker. Again. 
Had to make a big appearance in the highlights package. He was in the most episodes for the year. Good on you, Tucker. Merry Christmas, brother. Right, next up, the charge-up episodes. Uh, episode 42 and 43, myself, Tezza Churston from Tasman Safety and uh, Dennis Byrne from Underground Mining have... We did a production one and a development one. Charge-up tips and tricks. Now, first up, we've got talking about doing your lifters. Some tips and tricks and how to not bloody crucify lifters. And also about cleaning down aisles with boom rigs. Anyone that's doing charge-up, make sure you have a listen to those episodes because there is so much tips and tricks in there. I learned an absolute shitload. I didn't offer much. I was the facilitator. Between Megzi and Tez... Offered a lot of knowledge. Appreciate it, guys. Merry Christmas, fellas. Let's have a look. Lifters with power gel, which is probably more common than emulsion. Um, there's a few, I guess, tips and tricks, but uh, yeah, probably uh, things definitely don'ts. One's tamping fucking every single one. That'd be one, wouldn't it? Well, interesting. I try. Like I heard Zuma say, just stick them all in and tamp them. Um, like I, I say to the guys, stick your first one in, give it a light temp. Don't the thing is they over temp it. Don't hit the fuck yeah. out of it. Yeah. yeah, and then no more than two every second one. Yep. Um, look, only what I was taught. Again, you know, if they're not tamped together and pushed together, when they fire, they rifle apart, and it yep. can potentially cause misfires. Like, but prove to me it doesn't work. So I've seen guys train load them all in, temp them, and they seem to go off. So. I'll say, I think what he was saying, yeah, I don't know. I think I know he was saying, you see some guys, they'll put two in at a time and then tamp the fuck out of each of them and then then put another two in. I think it like obviously desensitizes that section, maybe impossibly decouples it. Well, the thing it. is, you got to stick a power gel and smash it against the wall, like, and then feel, give it five minutes to feel it. It's hard as fuck. Like, yeah, it's not right. going to do its job. Yeah. So if you do smash fuck out of it, but I've, I've always tamped in that first one because you want it in the back of the fucking hole and then go two sticks after that. And just a light tamp until you get that last one, and then you make sure that one's not going to yeah. rifle out. That's all I've done, yeah. So whether it's right or wrong, I mean, you see people do things different ways. If it were, look, and as I said to people, if it's working for you, don't change it. You know, like you're doing something right. So I think it's that, like usually, usually what five sticks to a lifter. That's your general fucking five, five or six, depending on the round length. Yeah, yep. yeah. So you got um, first one, big one. Fucking run the tamp and stick up the bloody thing, and make sure yeah. your tamp and sticks are for like the same length as around. Hundred percent. Even if you're charging your lifters with emulsion, run a tamp and stick up them as yeah. well, because otherwise you get your hose stuck in there and it turns into a. We'll see. Because as soon as you put the fuck. fucking plug up, as soon as you put the plug in the dead up there, it's fucked. Like as soon as you get it blocked, you can't get it out, and you're just fucked. Like just run the. Like, look, if it's blocked, it's blocked. But sometimes if it's blocked and there's this tiny rock there, at least you can push it to the end with your tamp and stick. Good jumbo ops would be fucking running their tamp and stick up anyway, but um, depends if we're rush, in a rush or not. But, yeah, run the tamp and stick, stick up. stick on your jumbo? I do, oh, and yeah, it's right. fucking 4.9 yeah, metres right. long. Thank fucking you very much, Dennis. Impressive. Yeah, I didn't put it on there, but it was already <laughs> on there when I got there. <laughs> but, um, and as you said, when you chuck your first plug up, like, yeah, fucking just chuck that plug up and that's it because the, yeah. more, the more fucking you, you feel how squashy they are. Yeah. You chuck your, your plug with your dead on and then fucking chuck another one behind it. That one can fucking, especially if you've got shitty ground, it can squash yeah, and if up. That, and if that first up. one's a struggle to get in, just go stick by stick. If the first one's a struggle to get in, you whack two in behind it, you're not going to get yeah, to the exactly. first one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we charge at Linster. We used to, in the bad ground there, we used to always clean your lifters out. But the first plug went in was a short. 
Ah, oh, right, eh? Yep. So yep. get it to the end of give the hole. Give you yep. less chance to fuck get it, get it, it cool. it, yeah. yeah. I found that worked Yeah, right. that's a good one. Bit yeah. more time consuming, but it's, at least you could had more chance because it's not going to bend and stuff up on you, stick you in the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, nice. That worked all right. Now, another thing for engineers, stop sending boom rigs with speed rods into clean downholes because it just doesn't fucking work. Yeah, right. Why is that? Oh, I think you said it before, the annulus. <laughs> So, yep. obviously, you've got couplings on your speed rods. Yep. So, you're feeding them down there. Say you've got a 102 mil down hole. Yep. And your speed rod's, what, T48. Yep. So, you're trying to blow out all of that shit from a 20-odd meter down hole and it's going up. You don't have enough air pressure through your rig oh, to so push it to the- shit. So, yeah. as soon as you stop, like, I mean, you can sit there for 10 minutes and keep blowing the shit out, but as soon as you stop your air pressure to put a new rod on, all that shit falls up. in behind yeah. your bit and behind your speed rods, like yeah. your couplings, yeah. and that's it. Fucked. Like it's, yeah. it's no good. That's a good one. Use Sorry, a boom rig, but use fucking speed, uh, actual tubes. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So just like guide tubes or T T fifty one. Yeah, we well, can actually just yeah, just get tubes. Yeah, straight yeah. onto the boom rig, yeah. or just pull in the the fucking horseshoe that drilled it. Whatever. Yeah. Cheers, Tazza. Cheers, Megzy. Oh, just remember, bloody Tasman safety, advertising for a administration position. Mate, you, as I said, Jess said she's a bit hard to deal with sometimes, but I'm sure the bloody pain is well outweighed by the rewards of working for Tasman safety, so make sure you check that out. I don't know where it is. Seek, I assume. Give us a bell. I'll give you Jess's number. Right, next up, Sean Stewart. Mostly known as Ted or the Rumor Guy, episode forty-six. Uh, he gives us—he's been on the jumbo bloody uh, before Jesus was born. So he gives us a bit of a rundown on pressures, specifically your rotation pressure and speed, and pretty much how he doesn't really look at percussion and feed. Check it out. I guess the are you are you always looking at how to like how the rigs like optimizing that fucking drill speed. And everything, like, because there's, like, the amount of minutes and shit you can save on fucking, like, you know, boring bits to destruction, whereas fucking changing a bit takes fucking 20 seconds. But even, like, knowing when your rig's drilling like a pig and what's wrong with it all, fucking yeah. slight bend in the steel, like, is that something you're looking at all day, knowing that your fucking rig's drilling as yeah, fast I, as it fucking can? I don't, um, your feet, you got your feet, your four gauges... Three gauges you really look at your rotation, your percussion, and your feed. Yeah, percussion once it's set, I don't, not too fucking phased about it. Feed, I don't even look at it anymore, I just yep. follow my rotation. Yep, so and so what do you look at? What are you aiming for? <laughs> rotation, pressure? 80, yeah, 80 to 90 bar. Once you get that, you know it's optimal drilling. On the Tamrocks, atlases are a little bit different, atlases are around about 70. Yep. And the atlases, as you can hear it, you wind them back. Like you get a lot of tamrock blokes that get onto atlases, and they like because atlases just screw everything up. So they do the same thing, and you can just hear the atlases just binding up. Don't like it. Yep. You drop the feed back, and you can actually see that see it. It just they just fucking take off. Yeah. Right. Yep. Mm. Yep. And rotation speed. Are you? You've just got an eye for what your rotations should be for your bit size. Yeah. After a while, or do you alter it much in the ground? Uh, yeah, I, I do alter it. I, I'm probably, I hate get yeah those cunts that fucking wind it all the way yeah, up. Yeah. It's, I wind it back, so it's you know wouldn't know the exact fucking RPM, but yeah, yeah. not 
not fucking spinning its head off like a fucking two fucking rice burner, yep. two stroke rice burner, just back it <laughs> off like a fucking like a fucking eight eight fucking cylinder diesel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you because you can. Can you hear that bloody? I oh know this is what I hear. Whether I'm fucking hearing fucking things or not, like you know, when you, you when you do, you go from flat out and you wind it back to that. I oh know the optimal speed. I think, and you can hear that pitch change where it's fucking. It's like it, like you know, when you go too slow, it's like, yeah, and then, yeah. you, then you go a bit ahead of that. It's like is that sort of that optimal point you want? Yeah, to that's where you sort want of to get to. You, you can hear it. Yeah, once you get used to it, you hear the difference, and you you can see the rotation speed sits to the right. It's boring, nice, it's not anti-jamming, it's not fucking, yeah. 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 Good on you, Ted. Merry Christmas, mate. Right, next up, the Iceman, Dave Ryan, the Goldfield Sensation, episode 56. He also talks about his boring sequence. It's a bit similar to the Rats, actually, but notably the difference between our WA people and our Eastern States people do it. I guess it's uh, what you've been shown. The Iceman, cool under pressure. Check it out. Like I like I noticed um, over over uh, a lot of Western Australian boys when they were training me, they'd come in and do the the perimeters and then do the burn last, and then and then uh, some of the boys from Cobar and that they were born the burn first, knee hole uh, lifters, and then burn. Yeah. So you know, you, you why take is that a, just to get them get, do it while you're fresh? Yeah. Well, the thing is, what Agro used to say to me is, he said, "You come in, that burns your most important thing." Yep. So this is the way they used to think. Bore your lifters and your knee house if you want, and then you burn. He said, because if something shits itself and you want to get that cut away, cut away, your burn's the most important thing. That's done. You can space out You can space yeah. out everything else. Yeah, because yeah. it's funny. The the only guy I've seen do that, um, Phil Waite, his name yeah. is. He's from Victoria, Eastern yeah. States as well, and he was, he, was, he was in WA. And I watched him. He's like, he did his lifters. He's like straight into the burn. He's like, this is the burn. Got to get the burn away. And I'm like- yeah. Uh, yeah, and it makes makes sense now why the way you explain that. Some people, yeah, and that's what he said. And, and if your right hand boom shits itself, you can right draw, you know, bore the right hand side out, then move your jumbo right over and finish yeah, it, you yeah, know, with yeah. one boom. Or, you know, like you said, space the holes out. So everyone has their meanings and uh, while well, they do things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like I said, that's you take not a board, bad one, yeah. actually. I might try that. Yeah. That makes sense because, um, one of the guys the other day, he's um, fucking drifter shit itself or something shit itself, and he was down to one boom. So, as you said, he's done the whole burn on one boom. Yeah. But if he, you know, reversed it, so he's reamed out, done bloody six reamers on one boom. Yeah. Whereas if you reverse it out, well, like, laws of probability, you got more chance of uh, it going, you got more chance of getting the burn done. Yeah. Doing it at the start, essentially. Yeah. If it's going to fuck up, it's going to be in the back half, hopefully. Cheers, Iceman. Hope you're enjoying your little Christmas holiday getaway, mate. We're on. I'm on the opposite swing to the Iceman now. I'm devastated. Glad I got him when I did. I'm going to have to do extras or... Iceman, maybe you've got to do extras so we can line up for a beer, mate. I'm missing you already. Anyway, final one. Maddie McLaren. Hard Rock Mining Solutions, episode 57. Uh, the inventor. The inventor of the resin inserter, the self-drilling split set. Ah, very, very knowledgeable and interesting bloke. And this bit is talking specifically about his uh, self-drilling split set. Available these days, ready to go. Awesome product. Check it out. Have you, how much trials have you done? 
with this. With the self-drill and splitty, self-drill and friction bolt. Yeah. yeah, and got really good results. Yeah. Um, one of the initial ones was up at Agnew, actually. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but just come back from New Zealand, as we mentioned earlier, from Wahi. Yep. And um, got some really good results down there. Yep. Like we're, we're drilling and installing bolts, 2.4, 47 split sets. And I think towards the end there, we're getting them in in about 47 to 50 seconds. Yep. Quicker than they can drill a hole. Yep. And then we tested them bolts pretty much straight away and they were all 10, when I say pretty much straight away, within two hours of installation. Yep. They were pretty much above, well above 10 tonne, which is the design strength for a 2.4 mm. friction bolt. Yep. Um, right up to 15, 17 tonne. Impressive technology. Cheers, Maddie. Merry Christmas, mate. And Merry Christmas to everyone. Thanks for listening. That concludes the Underground Tips and Chats episode. I hope you all have a safe one. And as the big fella said in the intro, special mention to everyone that's up at work, that's away from their families, working Christmas. You're bloody legends. We're all thinking of you. You're unreal. Doing it for your families. Noble thing. Make sure you have a good beer Christmas day and keep your spirits up. Try and get next year off. Righto. Thanks, everyone. Got Graham Crew coming on on uh, Monday, I think. Monday. Ex-general manager of mining for Barminko. A bit of a corporate uh, corporate go-to man. Really looking forward to having a chat to him. And, mate, special mention to the big fella. The young fella, Blake, for doing the intro. He did a fantastic job. He's uh, reckons if I make any money out of the, this episode, he gets half. We'll see. We'll see. Right, everyone. Merry Christmas. Hooray. Right.